Everybody, this is Ask Dr. Gans, the podcast. Stress, everybody's got it, everybody feels it, but what do you do with it? How can you get it handled so that you can be and do your best and basically feel, feel like you've got it beat? Well, that's one of the things we always talk about on a weekly basis with Dr. Gans. I'm Bryn Griffiths, your host, along with registered psychologist Dr. Gans Ferentz. How are you doing today? I am great. Well, uh, let's. We got to talk about it. This is a, a big weekend coming up for yeah. a lot of people, and and this is the weekend. It'll be early in the morning of the third of November when we fall back. We yes. change our clocks an hour. We Those fall of us in the north here. Yeah. Oh yeah, we fall back an hour, and while it means we make it a little bit more light when we head home from work, but uh, actually it's a little darker. It's a little yeah. lighter in the morning. Lighter in the morning. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm I'm confused. You know what? For me, it doesn't really matter. But I know a lot of people that really struggle. Today's topic, by the way, is the darker side of light or beat the never-ending winter blues. And for a lot of people, this weekend is the kickoff for them. It is. It is. You know, I mean, for those of us in the extreme north or those of us in the extreme south, we do have those extremes. And you know, light light does kind of the, the sunlight goes away, uh, and then comes back. You know, later in the later in the year. And when that light starts to go, it's not just the amount of light. And this is something that people don't always get. It's not just that the days are getting shorter, which they are. And that's, you know, it can be somewhat depressing to always be in the darkness. But also the angle of the sun when it hits the earth means that part of the spectrum of light that we normally get in the summer, those of us in the north, we don't get it, right? And so uh, our brains are set up so that when we get that, that wavelength of light, and it's usually the blue side of the spectrum, so the blue wavelength of light, when it hits our eyes, it hits our skin, our brains are signaled. There's a signal that goes out that says, okay, hey, time to make more serotonin. Time to get that brain chemical um, you know, ramped up so that you can feel sharp, you can feel focused, you can feel happy, and you can get stuff done. I, I often say that the smart mammals in the winter, they're the ones that sleep all winter, right? So <laughs> we, we dummies kind of get up and got to go to work and stuff, right? But, you know, it's, it's not just those of us in the north. It's also if you're in a cloudy area, like if you're near a coast or near any large body of water like the Great Lakes in, in Canada or the U.S. here, um, you get the same sort of effect. You, can, you know, I remember there was one time when I was living in Michigan and we had, I think it was like four or five weeks of lake effect weather. So it was just like this real heavy, low, gray, overcast days, right? And it was brutal. I was working in the counseling center at that time, and we were hopping. Like, we were just so busy because the weather was taking such a toll on people. Now, I grew up on the prairies, mm -hmm. and while it's minus 23 or whatever the temperature is in the middle of the winter, the one thing that we are blessed with is the fact that we will have cloudless skies and sunshine. Maybe not for a prolonged period of time, but we do get it, and yeah. it, it's beautiful. But I've also gone out to Vancouver, and I remember going out once uh, for, for a business uh, Venture that I was on, and I was out there for eleven days. I didn't see the sun once wow. in eleven days, and and I knew that I was in trouble after about day four when I woke up, opened the curtains. Oh, fog again! Yeah, 
And it does pull you down. Oh, it does. It does. And, you know, so we have the physiological effect of the shortened days and the, you know, wrong uh, or the, the missing wavelength of light. But then you have the emotional lift that you get on the prairies or anywhere where it's sunny, the deserts, or, you know, different places like that, where you do get bright sunshine, you get blue skies, you know, you, you have, it, it makes you feel more cheery. But when you're getting the overcast and the gray and the fog and, you know, it just feels like you're socked. And so there's the emotional pull on it as well as the physiological pull of missing missing that wavelength of light as well. A lot of people talk about seasonal affective disorder yep. or SAD, mm-hmm. which is an appropriate title, I guess. Yep, absolutely. But And while everybody's affected by it, some people are really affected by it. Well, so we're, we're all affected by the amount of light we get, right? But yeah, but the people who are really, really affected by it are the ones who actually get the diagnosis of seasonal affective disorder. And we're, we're talking about, uh, one, about 3% of the population generally is, uh, is affected by that. And then there are about 15% more that are affected by just sort of winter blues type of, uh, type of symptoms. So not quite as severe as the folks that are dealing with uh, seasonal affective disorder, but they still feel crappy, right? It's, uh, you still don't feel very good at all. Um, but, but yeah, it, can, it is a real thing. And I know a lot of people sometimes make, make fun of it as like really sad, really, right? But, uh, but yeah, it is, it is a real thing that people do experience. And uh, some of us, I, I, I think I'm one of those people who... Um, really do get affected by the amount of light we get and it it can really kind of screw up our lives and our quality of life. Now through my 34 years of broadcasting Mm -hmm. in my career I've done a lot of morning shows so I'm up in the middle of the night at maybe 3 34 o'clock and it's dark Mm -hmm. and I go to work and when I come out of that shift the sun has basically just come up so I'm okay but I always worried about people like shift workers who drive to work in the morning and it's dark. And then when they come out from whatever the job is that they do, it's dark again. How do those people cope? It's really, really difficult. And a lot of times people have a very, very difficult time with that, right? Or if you work in a building with no windows, you know, you're not seeing the sun. Or if you're in a place where there is a lot of overcast during the winter or any other time, right? Um, It can be very, very depressing. And actually what, what they find is that places that have that kind of weather tend also to have the higher rates of depression and even suicide. Um, so if you, so it, it is a real, real big issue. The nice thing is, is that there are ways to deal with it. There are things you can do to help yourself through those difficult times. One of those things is if you can get outside once in a while, even if you are doing shift work or whatever, if, it's, if you have some time on your break and you can actually get outside, even if it's dark, just the fresh air and being around, if you can see nature, that will really help. But if you can get outside and see some sunshine, that you get you get a little bit of the physiological lift, but you can get a lot of the psychological lift from just seeing the sunshine and the blue skies. This is Ask Dr. Gans, the podcast. We're talking about stress. Check us out on Facebook. Check out Ask Dr. Gans, and doctor is DR. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about uh, the signs that maybe you're struggling from this. Uh, I'm guessing anxiety is a big one. Anxiety, yeah, just ha- having a hard time feeling settled. You know what I mean? Just kind of feeling undone. I know one of the things that I go through is the, like that foggy brain, right? It's like, oh God, I can't, you know, I can't quite focus, can't quite fight the words, or you know, not quite as sharp as you'd like to be. Uh, irritability is is a big one, right? For some people, they get uh, they start to get isolated. They just kind of pull away and shut down. Lack of motivation. People can even feel like physical aches and pains, right? Or, or you know, uh, a much reduced sex drive or sexual functioning in general. So, um, yeah, you want to pay attention to that and and understand that 
Um, there may not be anything like permanently wrong with you, but you know, it's always good to go get that checked out. But, uh, but, but definitely, you know, if you're finding that there's a seasonal pattern to that, or this, this, this kind of shows up in fall and winter months or early spring and, or in times when it's kind of foggy or you got that kind of heavy overcast kind of pattern that's happening in the weather, then, you know, you want to check that out and make sure that, uh, you have some remedies for that. Isolation is a big thing. And when I think of isolation, I think about people on the prairies or the eastern slopes of the Rockies, and not just in Canada, but maybe through the Midwest, where isolation is an issue because of the temperature. Yeah. Not only are you not getting enough sunshine, but you're stuck in a house or you're stuck at your workplace constantly. It's too cold. It's, you can't get out. Yeah. It's got to be a tough one. Well, this is what they used to call cabin fever, right? And it's what, you know, you're, you're in there all winter and you just kind of go a little nuts sometimes, right? It is. And isolation is one of those things that it doesn't seem like it's a big deal, but it can be very, very damaging. We, we tend to do worse when we're isolated, but we also tend to isolate when we're feeling bad. So it's one of those vicious cycles that can really um, grab you and take hold of you. So I really encourage people to reach out. And, and sometimes, especially in the winter months or when it's dark or you're not feeling like it, it's going to take some effort. But if you build it into your schedule, then, you know, you got a class you got to go to or, you know, you, you work out with a buddy or go walking with a friend or meet somebody for lunch or whatever it is, you start to get out more. It is a really big boost and it's one of those best things, one of the best practices you can do to help yourself emotionally and psychologically. When we have somebody that comes in um, that's having any kind of problem, we always look at what are their supports like? What are, who are they connected to? Are they, are they connected to people? How often do they see them? Um, what are what kind of fun things are they doing in their lives? Because we know that when people are connected to other people, they do better. They recover faster. They tend to protect themselves from all the mental health issues um, far better than people who don't have people in their lives or tend to be isolated. We think we can handle it pretty well, <laughs> but I, I worry about kids because yeah. kids live in the moment, right? They they don't really think about the the big plans or the big scheme. We have a twelve year old at home, and and he probably he would not understand what's going on. But but are there signs with kids that that they've got this as well? Well, you know, a, a change in behavior is a big one, right? So if the kid is normally really happy and go lucky, and they start to be moping around, or you know, for a lot of kids, like depression and anxiety show up as anger and and disrespect, right? So. They're, they're harsher with you. They're not listening or they might get kind of hyper and jumping around. So you really want to look at that. And, you know, as, as parents, it can be kind of a pain in the butt to have your kid do that. But, you know, try to be a little um, compassionate and say, hey, what's going on? What's happening? How, how was school and how are you feeling? And they don't always know because we don't always know even as adults. Right. But you, you might pay attention to that and say, hey, you know what? Why don't we go down and watch a movie or let's let's go out for ice cream or, you know, do something with them that can be um, connected, like a sort of a connecting activity, but also can be somewhat calming because, uh, you know, well, you probably know, you get a kid in a car, especially a teenager, all of a sudden, you know, they're trapped if they're not like, you know, lost in their phones, then you can actually have a conversation <laughs> with them and they, you know, they will let slip what's going on far better than if you sit them down and kind of grill them. There's a little trick we do at home, and I thought it was for the 12-year-old, and now I'm finding, no, not necessarily. It's for everybody in the household. We live in Canada, so hockey's very big. Yeah. So we know exactly what every night is. It's a hockey night, and we basically, it, if today's Tuesday and they're, the hockey team is playing on Wednesday, 
it's almost like we've given ourselves a little carrot on a stick, something to help us get through <laughs> today to tomorrow, and it just gives us something positive to think about. I, I love that. Actually, my psychologist calls it, he's, he has this, well, he calls it two or three carrot theory, right, <laughs> or, th- or practice. And he says you should always have two or three things just like the carrots. You want to have two or three carrots hanging out there that you're looking forward to, that that gets you through. And as soon as you – and, and and he says these should not just be, hey, I'd like to go see a movie or I'd like to go on vacation. He's talking about, no, I've planned the vacation. We're leaving on November 19th at 7 o'clock, right? And it's you know, something that's actually hard and, and built into the schedule already. And, um, and when you have that, as soon as you execute that, you need to have at least one or two more planned out already so that you always have two or three to look forward to. It gives you – it gives your mind something to, to focus on and gives you that joy and the anticipation is like probably even more effective than actually doing it in terms of increasing your your joy and your quality of life. You just actually did you just pull that date out of your head? Oh yeah, that's my birthday. So oh, I, it made me laugh. Uh, anyway, uh, this, hey, we're, we're connected like that. Brandon, we are. I, I went. Well, I don't need to pull that out. Anyway, uh, this is Ask Doctor Gans, the podcast. We talk about stress every week, and uh, we hope you join us. We know you do. Uh, the numbers are picking up, and we love the fact that not only are you listening to us, but you're also telling your friends, you're retweeting, or you're throwing it on Facebook that we're here. And you can also check us out online at askdrgans.com. Okay, one of the things you've been telling me about for the longest time is that eating, obviously, is an important part of the day. But one of the things that I've started to adopt lately is not having three square meals, but having, mm. oh, anywhere from four to six tiny meals, and it's helped my digestion. But can this also help this situation as well? Yeah, it can. Well, you know, when you when you are, especially when you do it regularly, when it's not just sort of a one-off or I feel hungry now, so I'm going to eat, right? But if you sort of get into a routine of uh, a habit of doing this on a regular basis, you're doing a few things. One is your body gets to predict when it's going to get fed, which is awesome. So it can prepare for the food to be there. But when you shorten the time between meals, you actually help to level out your blood sugar level, which actually helps to, you know, kind of flatten out your hormone profile as well. So you actually can can maintain positive mood. You can focus better. Uh, you have more energy to deal with things as they come up so you can problem solve better. You're more creative. Everything works better when we are, like, well-fed on a consistent basis. I was actually talking to a uh, personal trainer, and he had, you know, he's actually she, she was talking about uh, the same thing with water, with hydration. And she was saying, you know, a lot of us will get thirsty, we'll, you know, we'll kick back, you know, a big jug of water, a big glass of water. But she was saying, you know, look at the professional athletes, especially the elite athletes in track or any of these um, different uh, disciplines. And what they do is they have water with them all the time. They're constantly just sipping, constantly letting water get into their, their system. Because if we have too much at one time, it'll just, we'll just pee it out, right? It won't get dessert. It won't get absorbed and that sort of thing. So the same thing happens with food. If we have too much at one time, our bodies can't handle it uh, all at that time. So a lot of it is either wasted or we turn it to fat or whatever, but then we get hungry two or three hours later. So yeah, eating on a regular basis and making sure your body has consistent and regular forms of fuel uh, that going to make you feel better. One of the things that you've also been talking about is making sure that you surround yourself with positive people. Yeah. People who feel good. The the uh, I'm an eternally optimistic, yeah. enthusiastic morning person. Nobody else in our household is, and I'm referred to around the house as the Cartoon Network because when <laughs> I get up, hey, I'm ready to go. 
But it just seems that that kind of, they all start to feed a little bit off of that. Absolutely. That energy is contagious, right? I mean, and it's, you know, it, just like stress can be contagious sometimes, happiness is very contagious. Smiling is contagious. So, yeah, surround yourself with happy people, people who are energetic. But if you don't have those people in your life, like, directly, you know, borrow some. Like, there are people on, you know, like TV or in movies or, you know, uh, even on social media you want to have, you want to, you want to be uh, judicious and I think uh, deliberate in the kind of energy and kind of influence you want to have around you, and that can really help you with with just life in general. But can really help you with uh, some of the winter blues stuff that we're talking about. This is Ask Doctor Gans the podcast. We're talking about stress as we do weekly. You can check us out on Twitter. Here's our handle at Ask Doctor Gans, and of course, Doctor is Dr. Okay, back to this time zone change. It, mm-hmm. It's one hour. It's spring forward and fall back. A, a few things for me. One is I'm always amazed at how some people, and I always see it on social media, feel the inclination to bitch and whine about the fact that they're not quite right for a week. Right. And they do it. And, and to me, uh, I, I adapt. You just roll with it, huh? Yeah, for the most yeah. part. But it... it, it I guess that's kind of a normal thing for people to do is to just kind of vent a little bit. Or do you, do you think that that's a sign that maybe there is a little bit of a seasonal issue? Well, I don't know if it's a seasonal issue, but I do do think that we are affected by a change in routine like that. Right? Sure. Um, well, and, and most of us feel it to some extent, like if, if like most people, we feel it on Monday and Tuesday, right? Because we've been off on the weekend. A lot of us, we stay up later. We don't go to bed at the same time. Uh, we maybe sleep in a little differently. Um, our eating might be off and you kind of get that weird fuzzy feeling on Monday and Tuesday. And by Wednesday, we're kind of feeling okay. Thursday, we're feeling pretty good. And then Friday we do it all over again. But, um, (laughs) you know, but, but there is something about that time change. What they found is that when, you know, around that weekend of the time change, you know, accident rates go up, um, you know, not just car accidents, but also accidents at work. Um, people are not quite as sharp. They're not quite themselves. So there is something about switching up your circadian rhythm when that, that does have a, a big effect on it. So my advice to people is like, look at plan this, be, be aware that this is coming, try to get a little bit extra sleep or try to stay closer to your routine on a regular basis. If you're going to switch over, like if you're going to get an extra hour of sleep, that's awesome. Right. But try to have a little more of a routine uh, going the other way is even worse when you're cutting an hour of sleep over, uh, you know, in the, in the spring. Um, you, you definitely want to give yourself like pre-plan that, give yourself more sleep going forward. And then also understand that like the days after the time change, you're probably not going to be super sharp. So take that into account. Take extra time to do stuff. Double check, triple check when you're changing lanes. Um, maybe don't make any major decisions for the first couple of days until your body adjusts to whatever you're doing. One of the things that I do, and my friends think I'm crazy, is I don't wait for the time zone change mm-hmm. or the time change, rather, the one hour. I actually start to tinker with my body clock on the Friday. Smart. So in other words, what I'm doing is I'm setting myself up, I think, for a positive experience Mm -hmm. with that time zone change. For example, if it's 10 o'clock in the evening, I start thinking already on Friday night that that's 
11 o'clock or it's 9 o'clock, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it works for me. Yep. And then the other thing is I changed the clocks in the house on Saturday in the afternoon <laughs> so that we're already starting to think that way. There you go. And we go to bed a little earlier. But it seems to work for us. But I don't know. Is that an advisable thing or is that just smart and prudent? I think it's smart and prudent. And I think, I, you know, look at uh, our, our brains are very, very powerful, right? So when when you are telling your brain, hey, listen, this is what we're going to be doing, your brain says, okay, let's let's go along with that and makes you right. When you go into any change, kicking and screaming, <laughs> we tend to have less of a positive time when we do that as opposed to when we accept it and kind of go along with it. Um, uh, things are always easier when you when you go with the flow as opposed to fighting it every step of the way. Now, that's the time change, and that's one thing, but there's the, we talked about the light and, yeah. and the, the blue light factor and all that sort of thing. One little tidbit for somebody to help them get themselves through the winter a little bit when it comes to sad. Yeah, so for me, I actually bought uh, one of those seasonal affective disorder lights. So there are a number of them on the market. Uh, the one I have found that I, I like is there's one called the Philips Blue Light, and it actually gives you the blue part of the spectrum that we're missing when we're in the far north or the far south. And what I found is that it is very, very helpful with tricking your brain into making that serotonin. Of course, you got to make sure your brain and your body have the raw materials. You got to eat right and, you know, make sure you have all that stuff, exercise, all the regular stuff you need to do to stay healthy works. But the light does make a huge difference for those of us who are having difficulty with that. If you can manage it, Something else that works great is getting away to a sunny destination. I was just going to say that's right. a big one for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Getting away, even if it's for a couple of days, you know, it really makes a difference when you can see some bright sunshine, feel some heat, see some blue skies. Then you come back and, you know, uh, I think the effect kind of lasts for a little while. Plus, it's like it breaks up the winter and it's like, ah, okay, I can handle the next three months of darkness or whatever it is. But but that light thing is a really, really big, uh, big positive thing that can happen. Now, on, on the flip side of that, though, there is a darker side. Okay. <laughs> so the, the, the blue light is, you know, when people are using like an actual sad light, you don't want to use it too late in the evening because it will screw up your sleep. But then we also get blue light coming off of our phones, our tablets, our devices, all those screens. So this is why experts suggest that if you're going to be on your devices, you want to shut it down about an hour or at least half an hour before you go to bed because it does it you know just like the blue light in the morning helps to wake up your brain and helps you make serotonin you don't want to be producing serotonin when you're trying to go to sleep because you want to be sleeping you don't want to be awake and focused and have your mind racing right so i still think i'd rather do the holiday yeah absolutely hey by the it's way, way better i i, I got to bring this up too because most people have three weeks off mm -hmm. i'm a believer in taking two weeks in the summer and then intentionally if you can afford it taking one week in maybe February yeah, and just getting away, as you said, to someplace where you can get a bit of a break. Yeah. And that yeah. to me is the most valuable week of the year. Oh, I've done it a couple times. So you, know, you can't always afford it because I know it's like expensive for a lot yes. of us. Right. But I've done it a couple times and I've noticed a huge difference. The couple times that I have been able to actually get somewhere sunny in the middle of the winter and uh, wow, what a, what a difference it makes. Right. So there, there's, there's lots to support the whole, um, the, the evidence around like seasonal affective disorder and, and what we do with darkness and cloudy weather and lots to say about being somewhere sunny and warm and you know what I mean? Pleasant, green. <laughs> I know. 
Just yeah. thinking about it makes me feel better. Oh yeah, I I, I actually look at uh, you know pictures of Hawaii or the Caribbean. And, you know, yeah, exactly. That's exactly the feeling. It's like oh that oh just oh that feels good, right? And that can really help too. Well, hang in there, everybody. That's that's <laughs> it for the time that we have today. And one of the things we love is feedback. So make sure that you drop us a line. And we have a mission here Absolutely. on this podcast. We want to help as many people as we can. So listen, do me a favor, everybody, and just share this with at least one person, right? Let, let, share the love. Let them know there's lots of resources, free resources on the website, askdrgans.com. And uh, yeah, share the podcast because we love to reach as many people as we can. And the book. Absolutely. Yeah, lots of good stuff in the book, The Me Factor. Yeah, you want to check that out when you can too. Anyway, if you haven't done so already, please do it and uh, check out the website, which is askdrgans.com. And it's as simple as that. Enjoy and hang in there. Like I said, this is a tough week for a lot of people. So uh, we've got our fingers crossed. I know everybody's going to come through. through. Okay. All right. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Absolutely. All right. One, two, three. Listen. Listen.